Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul, deep, emotional, and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Michelle Azurek. And before I get too far, I wanted to issue two invitations. First, for those of you who feel isolated, unseen, and unknown in your current struggles, and who would love to find a safe place where you can receive encouragement and support, I want to invite you to join Holy Love's private support group on Facebook. It's the Faith Over Fear group. And I'll share a link to the group in our show notes. And I also want to invite those of you who have the gift of compassion, who have a heart for inclusion, to join Holy Love's volunteer online engagement team where God will use you to speak love and grace and hope into the lives of others. And as this is an online community, you can serve from home and on your schedule. So contact me through the Holy Love website, which we'll link to in the show notes to learn more. Well, today we're continuing our discussion on finding courage through community, a sort of churchy word for healthy relational connections. To quote Dr. Kurt Thompson, who joined us for an episode two weeks ago on Break free from shame, quote, the human brain can do really hard things for a really long time, so long as it doesn't have to do them alone. And maybe you know that from experience. Hard, painful, and frightening circumstances tend to feel so much more difficult when we're facing them alone. But when we have someone walking beside us, someone we can lean on and gain support and encouragement from, the burdens we carry tend to feel a bit lighter. And if those people are followers of Jesus, something even more beautiful happens. We experience Experience God's love through others. And Michelle, I know you actually have pretty 
deep experience with that. Yeah, absolutely. As I think about my testimony, when I first became a Christian, I was 18, and he placed people in my path that knew scripture and were able to pray for me and kind of show me the way of God. And this was also in the mid 90s where you had like a wacky Waco, like with uh, the Waco things going on. And so my parents just assumed that's what this was. It was some sort of cult that I had gotten into and they were brainwashing me. And so obviously, needless to say, they were very upset. And so it kind of culminated for about two years. We really fought over everything that we really couldn't even get into a discussion as adults without them kind of bringing that up. And so there came a time, probably about six to eight weeks in from the time I told them where I just had enough. And I, I said to my mom, look, I'm an adult now. You know, I can do what I want to do. And this is what I wanted to do. And if she couldn't talk to me like an adult, then we couldn't talk. And so we went about six to eight weeks without even speaking. So then fast forward to six weeks later when it's Thanksgiving time and the dorms are closing down because there's a break and, and all that. And I didn't know, was I going to be invited to Thanksgiving dinner? Was I not going to be invited? So my boyfriend at the time, now my husband, invited me to go to his house for jerky dinner. And so I did that. And the following Saturday had to be at my job. I worked at an optometrist's office and my parents, of course, knew where I worked. And so three o'clock rolled around was the end of my shift. And I was kind of leaving the office and my parents came in and said, we want to talk to you. And so I went out. This was in middle of like a strip plaza. And so they took me outside and my dad said, you have two weeks, get your stuff out of the house. We don't want you here anymore. And so, of course, that was very devastating and traumatizing for me. Parents took me home. By this point, Joe, my boyfriend, was going to come pick me up. He, They sent him home, said, we'll take her home. And they took me home. When, they, when I got home, the garage door opened and there were all these black trash bags lined up in the garage and it was my stuff. And they said, the rest of your stuff is up in your bedroom. You can continue to pack. So I did, of course, and I'm crying and my mom's coming in and out was still kind of with this berating type attitude of how much I've done to the family to destroy it by becoming a Christian. So I got all my stuff. My dad loaded the trash bags into the back of his truck and he drove me over to Joey's house and he said, you've cho- obviously chosen your family. We're not your family now, so you can live with them. And so he dropped off the bags and I was there standing in their driveway with all these black trash bags surrounded me with just a little bit of clothes and some teddy bears and that was it. And 50 bucks in my pocket, I literally didn't have a place to stay. And so, of course, Joe's mom and, and dad were very kind to let me stay there for a while. But we knew because we were dating, I couldn't couldn't live with them. So I had to find other arrangements. So we were praying and there was a family from my church that had heard of the situation and said, we've been praying and we feel God calling us to have you come live with us. And so I lived with them for two and a half years until I got married. And so I understood firsthand what community truly is and how much people who aren't related to you by blood can be your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, to say that community is important in the midst of rejection and failure. Well, I think I've just demonstrated that, yeah, that, that definitely can happen. And I'm glad for it. It was a gift that I didn't know I, I wanted, but I got. And I think through that, I was able to watch two people who showed me what it was like to be a little bit more like Jesus. And it's an event that I'll never forget. I'll always be indebted to them relationally, but I understand what it means to have community on the brink of failure and rejection and really holding on to everything by Jesus's hand. And just saying, Lord, you got to come help me because this isn't what I signed up for. As I'm listening to your story, so God brought you community when you needed it, but you also accepted it. And I and I think that's important because our family walks beside a lot of people from really hard places. And there are those who accept the help and the support and the encouragement, which is terrifying if you've had rejection, right? I think that that can be really difficult. There's a lot of soul wounds that can cause us to resist then the kind of connection we need. But we've also seen those who, because of those soul wounds and fear, 
fear and not taking like that first step when they're afraid to kind of connect a little closer and then a little closer. And they end up going the other way to increased isolation and hardship and fear and anxiety. And so I want to applaud you for that. I, that couldn't have been easy. A- am I correct? Like your journey of trusting people, connecting with people, of receiving support and encouragement was that I'm assuming that was a bit of a journey. Sure. I, I mean, absolutely. It's you can't you know, one ever gets over your parents disowning you like it just never no matter how much community you have, you'll never get over that. But you do learn how to cope. And I think you need to have people who are healthy and love the Lord and are listening to what he says and obeying what he says to really take part in that community. So yeah, trusting people has been a journey. I'm certainly not there yet, but it definitely is important when you're going to have relationship through community because trust really is kind of the linchpin of any close, intimate relationship you can have with someone. Well, I've heard you can't feel fully loved if you don't also feel fully known. And that makes sense. You're like, well, you know what you see of me, but if you really know this, then will you really will you really love me? And I just want to give another plug for our online community. Our heart is that that might be for some of you. You're like, okay, I, I'm not quite comfortable yet stepping into a church or I'm not quite comfortable yet going to a Bible study. We want to create a safe place where you can begin to feel known and receive support. And so you can learn what healthy, loving, Christ-centered support looks like. And I, I see as we're you know, listening to your story and then just thinking of Holy Love's heart for people, I'm I'm reminded of Paul. So he was a first century church planter. He started out as a Pharisee, kind of rising up in the ranks in Jewish circles, Jewish religion. And then he had a personal encounter with Jesus and he was dramatically changed and, and his life was set on like a whole new trajectory. But and I, and I can't help but wonder when I hear his when I read his story, if he initially maybe had this idea, because his, his first response was to preach Jesus, to tell everybody about this encounter that he had. And that didn't go so well. Like he encountered extreme persecution. And in fact, at one point to save his life, people lowered him through a hole in a wall, like a city wall. When he was found himself shut out of his former faith community. And I wonder if it's like, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, this isn't what I expected. (laughs) But then a man named Barnabas came alongside Paul, also called Saul, during this really painful season in his life. Can you read Acts 9, starting in verse 26? When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. And I just love that part of Acts 9 because Barnabas really sticks his neck out for Paul. I mean, he's only going, Barnabas wasn't present when Paul had this incredible encounter with God. So we had to take him at his word. For him to really stick his neck out for Paul and have him tell them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And because of Barnabas's testimony and his encouragement about Paul, he changes their mind and allows Saul to stay with them and move about freely in Jerusalem. And I just think to myself, how much less fear would we have in our lives if we had somebody who was willing to stick their neck out for us? This, if we understand... Paul's history, Saul's history, then this verse has, this passage has extra impacts. So we read in Acts 8, the very first Christ follower that was killed for his faith, Stephen, he was stoned. And we read that Paul, Saul, 
was standing watching it all, watching this brutality occur, and that he was actually approving of it. And then following this, so following this very brutal death, he went to church leaders and he was trying to get letters from them, which he actually got, that he could go and search out Christ followers and tear them from their homes so that he could, so that they could be prosecuted. And so here he is, like, it's kind of like Nazi Germany mentality, right? Like that is who Paul is. And then all of a sudden he encounters Jesus and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm different. And you're, and, and then these people are like, well, but you were there when my brother in the faith was killed. And now you're saying, Hey, can I come join you for a meal? Can I come in your home? Can I hung, come hang out with your children? And I love how Barnabas really does, you know, goes forward for Paul and lets people know, look, he's not the same as he was before. He's had this encounter. Can we just let him in and be the accepting church that we're supposed to be? And Paul is never the same because of his encounter, but I imagine he's not never the same now that a, a circle who is risking everything, just like in my story, risking everything to be accepted by this group of people. That is an incredible testimony to churches who can be more accepting. I think every church can take a lesson from that and be more accepting of people instead of making kind of this you have to clean up your life first before you can come be with us. Yeah, well, and, and you're right. Like, who knows what would have happened with Paul if he hadn't found that community? And we can see, too, Barnabas walked alongside Paul at the beginning of his journey. And and there's one part that is really powerful. So Paul, he begins to share Jesus and things don't go well for him at all. And so he, he retreats back to his home, which I just have this idea when, when scripture talks about him retreating back to his home, going back to Tarsus. And I believe he was there for like three years. And to me, that seems like, okay, I tried this ministry thing. I tried to live for Jesus. And it didn't go as I expected. It was really hard. It was, I experienced persecution. It was terrifying. I'm just, I'm out guys. Like I'm, I'm back home. And then we, we read in scripture that Barnabas actually sought him out. And he was like, my, that had to be a deeply painful season for Paul. Like if you've ever felt a call on your life, which he obviously did when we see how he immediately began preaching Jesus and wanted to connect with the church. And, and that was God's calling beginning to come alive in him. And then he hit this like major point of what probably felt like failure. And through the relationship that he had with Barnabas, I think Barnabas helped him kind of overcome both the pain of that failure and the fear of failure going forward. Yeah, it's such a short passage. It's easy to overlook, but it is so packed with the love of Christ that obviously Barnabas must have experienced too. And again, like you're saying, that failure, but even more so the rejection that he received the same type of rejection that he was giving to the Christians. And I imagine that was probably hard for him. I think he probably understood. I would imagine, I hope he would understand. But at the same time, to have those Christians change their mind and take that big of a risk, I think it is a good model for the local church to be able to emulate. Yeah. And, and I also want to to talk to those who feel like they are in that season now where Paul was. We're like, I tried. I was in this church. I tried to connect in this church or with this group. And I tried to walk out my calling and things didn't go as I expected. And I'm ready to quit. And I'm ready to hide. Or maybe I tried to form these relationships and it, and it didn't go as I expected. And I'm ready to hide. And then somebody comes and gently says, or maybe it's God, God's spirit speaking to you saying, Let's try again. Let's, let's, here is a safe way to step your foot. If Paul, it, it had to be, cause when you, when you have your, 
hopes dashed, which anytime you have your calling, which is one of the biggest, the the truest parts of us, I believe. And then to have that kind of doused, that's super, super painful. And it's almost, and it's painful to try again to say, you know, I've, I've experienced hurt. My hopes have been dashed. I've been rejected. I feel like I failed. Why is the next time going to be any different? And so it took courage for him to step forward. And it was in the stepping forward that he also experienced courage to overcome his fear of failure. And if he hadn't, like if he had said, Hey, Barnabas, I'm sorry. That's too hard. I'm done. Like you go find someone else. I'm, I'm going to be a tent maker. I'm going to find my new world, whatever. We wouldn't have 13 books. Well, I mean, God God is sovereign and will do what God's going to do. But looking at the fruit of Paul's life, because he accepted the community when he needed it, the relationship when he needed it, the support and the encouragement that actually God was giving to him, he wrote at least 13 books of the New Testament. He planted the first church in ancient Europe. He walked beside and helped elevate many church leaders, and, and his impact is felt for generations that I don't think we can ever measure, just like with yours. So I know you and your husband serve in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been in ministry now. It'll be 22 years since January. And we definitely have seen our ups and downs in terms of ministry. And sometimes it's been a really great experience with the church and other times not as much. And I think the difference of that is, is that mentality that we have to have our lives cleaned up before we can enter the four walls of the church. Your past will not define you when God is in the room. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I also think one thing for us to keep in mind, and we don't always recognize as Christ followers. So in John 10, verse 10, Jesus kind of gave a, a twofold promise. And he said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, which that tells us two things. The first thing is we will face opposition. Whenever we try to live for Jesus, whether that means investing in our children at home and raising them to know and honor Christ or serving in our church or demonstrating Christ-like love and grace in our work environment, when anytime we bring his love, grace, beauty into the world, we will face opposition. And having someone come alongside us who both understands it, but also has the what, what Scripture calls the indwelling Holy Spirit. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are given the Holy Spirit that becomes a part of us. Like it's, it's this really mysterious, we can't explain it, but it occurs. And so that person, if they're a follower of Jesus, we're, actu- we're actually engaging in Jesus, with Jesus at every moment. And one way this can work when we're facing opposition And so this actually this past weekend, I spoke to a writer's group on how God, how how he molds our calling and grows us as writers from a spiritual and emotional aspect. And one of the writers shared how there was a certain project that every time she picked it up, she felt spiritually attacked. And so she didn't go near it. And so I just gently reminded her, you have authority in Christ. You have authority over evil because of your relationship with Christ. Satan and the forces of evil are already defeated in your world. Yes, spiritual attack is real. We do have forces of evil that are trying to kill, steal and destroy, discourage us like like they were doing with Paul. Go back to Tarsus. This isn't working. You're not doing any good. You're alone and this is hard and this is frightening and, and all those things were true. But when we have... Christ followers in our life, we are, in, like I said, we're encountering Jesus and they can speak wisdom to us when we are at places where we are more apt to be deceived and to listen to the lies. Like, I wonder if that was true for you, Michelle. So you you experienced rejection that could have kept you from where you're at now, which so 
for our listeners who don't know, her husband is actually a pastor and she also, she's a literary agent. She's an author and which I'm just going to actually mention your book right now for those who don't know it. But so she's an author. She wrote Surrender. I Surrender All Sort Of. So that's a great book. You check it out. But did you ever, and maybe it's too long ago to remember, but did you ever entertain thoughts like, well, why am I going to do this? This is too hard. I'm just a failure. And then how did, how has Christ-focused community helped you move forward and courage over those times of failure or discouragement? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely had many, many moments when God was calling me to himself and I obeyed that call. I didn't quite understand. I probably was pretty naive at the point, at that point, as to how much that would upset them. And when I saw that, I had to process it. It was definitely a journey. It was definitely something that was difficult. But I had this church community that I just joined maybe a year ago. So they all were incredibly accepting and wonderful to me during that time. And I know I'm not going through something alone. I know for myself, I can I can go through anything. If I know that I have at least one other person in my life, they can say, you can do this. And I had that throughout that journey. It was so hard for me to think that you know, God was never going to use me again. You know, it, it's so it was so paralyzing. I literally lived in a world where I had society telling me I was wrong, but then I had this small Christian community that was saying, no, you're doing the right thing. This is very extreme, but this is what's right. And I, one of my favorite verses talks about if anyone leaves their father or mother for me will receive tenfold in the kingdom. And I have seen that verse really come alive in my life. And I didn't know it at the time. Certainly didn't happen instantaneously, but God is there. He is working on your behalf. And as difficult as your journey is, as long as you have, obviously you have God, God is always with you and you're interacting with him daily. But it's really nice to know you have at least a few people in your corner who love you and want to accept you as you are, no matter your past. So when you're talking about how you know, people coming alongside and when you feel like you failed and then having this community and in our in our culture, we're all super busy. And I know we're also all super lonely, like studies have shown that we are lonely and, and we're we're moving towards increased independence when scripture calls us to interdependence. And one thing that I am encouraged by Paul's journey, so he received this this relational connection and and really mentorship from Barnabas because Barnabas accompanied Paul in his first missionary journey. So I think there was a lot of mentorship guiding teaching that probably went into that. It's really easy to think, I don't need anybody. I'm good. I don't have time to go to a small group or or to to join a book club. I don't, you know, I'll do that tomorrow. The problem is when we don't take the steps to build that community and that takes courage and perseverance because the first time we try, it may not work. The first church we attend, it may not work. The first, but prayerfully saying, God, who do you have for me to connect with? And maybe starting with one person and building that and prioritizing that. And I think so to end, I, I do want to acknowledge as we close, I do want to acknowledge those for whom that kind of relationship is frightening because if done well, close relationships, you're going to speak truth. You're going to speak truth and love and there's going to be grace, but you're going to be invested in one another's growth. You're going to be invested in seeing one another thrive. And to thrive, we need to continually turn away from our old way of living and turn increasingly towards Christ. And that can be terrifying because we're used to being rejected in our world often. So on our next episode, Michelle and I are going to talk about having the courage to embrace community, to build those relationships. So if you struggle with that, and I think we all do to some extent, we all have parts of us that we kind of hide that we want to be known, but don't fully, but are also afraid to be known. So I hope you'll join us for that. And in the meantime, I'm going to encourage you to invest the time to build relationships 
And that will take grace. And that will take because people will, especially if we're wounded, we will have opportunity to be offended. And people won't know our story. We'll have triggers they don't understand. They, and they're going to be imperfect, too. And so they might actually, on occasion, act like, you know, like they're imperfect. So it will take grace and discernment. Is this an unhealthy relationship? And if it is, then, okay, I need to seek a healthy. But even in healthy relationships, there is opportunity for offense and hurt. And so taking the time and taking that first step, maybe it is joining a book club. Maybe it is finding a small Bible study. Maybe it's just inviting one neighbor over and you start there. I don't I don't know where you're at in your journey. Maybe you're the one who's going to be a Barnabas and you're going to see people on the outside and you're going to pull them in. Maybe you're going to be the one creating health in your environment. And I would encourage you to be the type of support you most want. And so I, just a really brief story. I had a friend years, 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 years ago when I was way further back in my healing journey, and she would go to Christmas and Thanksgiving with family members who were not followers of Jesus and who were really quite unkind to her. And I asked her, like, that would cause a lot of anxiety. I mean, I said, Do, does that make you anxious? And she said, no, I just sit there and I just focus on how can I most love them? And so she removed herself from the situation and, and that gave her courage. And And I don't know where you're at with that, but be the the type of support you most want to learn, want to be the type of support you most want for yourself. And then learn to lean on, take those steps of being honest, being vulnerable, start small if you're not used to it. But as we are vulnerable and open, here's something that I have always seen happen. Our defense mechanisms often push others away and we're hiding our vulnerability when it's our vulnerability and in those, those, those teens from hard places that we've opened our home to, it's always been their moments of vulnerability when they've let me see their heart and their hurt that maybe they were afraid I would reject, but that actually drew me to them and helped me see them and know how to best love them. And those were the things that solidified our relationship. So I would encourage you in that way. And then I'm also going to remind you of Michelle's book, I Surrender All, sort of, which I love. I love. So, and they can probably, I assume, find that wherever. We'll put a link in our show notes, but they can find it wherever they buy books, I'm sure, like any online store. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. We hope and pray that you will take some steps to build some community, to take those first steps to build some relationships. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And we have some discussion questions actually in our show notes. I encourage you, if we're talking about community, gather people around and just talk through those and see what happens. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.